0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the DFW Drum Coach Podcast, episode number two. I'm your host, Caleb Barnett. Today, I'm joined by Jared Glasby. He's a good buddy of mine. He is a guitar player, live sound engineer, producer, songwriter, you name it. In this episode, we talk a lot about the Dallas music industry and uh, working in the studio. I hope you all enjoy. Jared. Hey. How are you doing, man? Good. Thank you for being here. Good, man. yeah. How was the drive?
1: It was good. good? Longer than I remembered, so that's why I was late. All, that's all good. You're
0: all the way out in Wiley, is that right? Yeah. Dang. Well I'll I'll shoot you some gas money or something. No, I, I appreciate dude. it. Just <sighs> make me famous. <laughs> just make me <it. laughs> <laughs> I can't make any promises yeah. there, but we'll yeah. we'll,
1: we'll see. Huh? Oh hey, hey bud. It's
0: oh, all that's good. fine. Sorry. Love it. We'll uh That's well, a studio add, folks. Yeah, People are walking we, in and out of businesses coming it, in and out. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Business is booming over here. That's right. So I guess just like tell me how you got started, man. Like how you got, because you're a
1: guitar player. Moving to town. Moving like, to town. Like at that point in time. Yeah. Or oh, just okay. like,
0: well, how you got started playing guitar and music in general, where you grew up and then okay. go from
1: there. Um, uh, I have a very musical family or I had a musical family. My grandpa was a, a, uh, like a big band drummer. Growing up, and my grandparents ran a uh, the Miss Lawton beauty pageant in uh, Lawton, Oklahoma, which that sounds kind of like <laughs> backwards, like how many hot chicks are in Lawton, Oklahoma, <laughs> but there actually are. There's a lot of like it's kind of a melting pot place because it's a, like a military town, but oh, okay. um, don't ever go there, or live there. Um, but uh, so I got to be around all that like all the time. My grandpa was um he was in charge of doing everyone's like writing out everyone's part for the pit band that he did because like the um the show like they had a pit band every time they had you know the females up there or whatever so i always got to be in the pit and i got to see him like preparing uh you know orchestrating other people's parts and handwriting everything out that's you know yeah and having musicians come over and pick up their parts you know and kind of see that and uh, uh but i didn't play then at all i was just kind of like there for everything and i got to go to suite like Dance rehearsals with like Miss Miss uh future Miss Americas and stuff. And it's it was cool. it was
0: all was it all like jazz like all um no not all well uh, yeah yeah mostly.
1: but like it's more like the the big band type cool, of thing not cool. like not like hardcore jazz or anything. Gotcha. And this uh, was
0: probably was his pre-finale. Like so he had he, he, oh, he had handwriting. Yeah, everything? I mean yeah. my
1: grandpa was already like seventy something at this right. point or whatever. Um maybe not that old. More in his sixties, but uh so I was there for that. My dad's a bass player. And so, you know, that's always kind of been around. And I, I before I, when I was a kid, I didn't really know the difference between electric guitar and bass guitar. Okay. Uh, and so I think when I was like 10 or 12, I saw smooth on TV smooth you nice know, uh, with Rob Thomas and, uh, and Santana, which I'm not a huge Santana fan anymore, but as soon as I saw Santana, I was like, Oh, he, that's has, cool. He has been, like, I hear that often from a lot of guitar players that he
0: inspired, He's inspired so many to get started yeah. with guitar.
1: And then later I don't I don't really like him. I appreciate him, but like I am right. not a huge fan anymore. Sure. But um anyway, and then uh fast forward I ended up moving to um to Texas whenever I was like ten or maybe eleven. And then for my twelfth birthday, my dad got me a guitar kit, an Ibanez starter kit. Nice. Was uh, it was it an Ibanez Geo? It was a Geo. Dude, I had a, a, a geo, black and white geo. I had a red one. Yeah. Yeah, man so funny. So I'm sorry to go. ahead. No, you're good. Yeah. Uh, I remember selling it to this girl in high school <laughs> and then like taking it back from her after she paid me for it. Like a year later because oh. she was just sitting in her room. Oh, wow. Like, I'm just going to take this. Well, that back. was
0: nice of her to just give it back to you.
1: I didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> I just went over there. Hey, I need my guitar. back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. And then uh, I lived in the country um, like during middle school and all those, you know, those first Four to six years. And so I didn't have anything to do but just like shed. You yeah. Know? And uh, that's all I wanted to do. I just came kind of obsessed with it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure, like, just like a lot of people, it's kind of like everyone's like out from reality or whatever. Yeah. You know? Totally. Um, so once I started playing, you know, maybe like seventh or eighth grade. I had friends that were like, man, come out to the youth group. You know, there's a band and i was like, okay, I didn't know anything about youth group or church. I didn't really grow up that way. But um, so I went out to start doing that stuff and you know, got kind of, you know, I liked the guitar player was good, you know, yeah. and uh, he was probably in his twenties or something at the time. Uh, so I eventually got into that band and started to do the worship thing. Uh, I really kind of like learning how to play with a band for the first time mm-hmm. was that. Yeah. Um, but at school um, I was in jazz band like ninth through 12th grade um, and that was fun but uh, you know they had to requ- you know you were required to be in symphonic band also right, so they put me yeah. on like suspended cymbal or just <laughs> to play some bass drum I had to put, play some like, triangle rolls yeah you know like where you have where like your part doesn't come to like five minutes into the tune and you have to count <laughs> You have to count all the way you up to until count, your one you to little part. one hundred and seven measures, yeah, measures yeah. of rest. Yeah, um, exactly, I, dude.
0: I, I, dude, I was in percussion and yeah. in high school and everything, so I've been there. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Oh man. Uh,
1: but that was fun, and uh, during that time, I, I think I took AP Music Theory. Oh, cool. During those years, which it's the same course. Like there's one and two, and then like there's no more after that. I just took them over and over again. Nice. Which made me have to take. I was like behind on Spanish. I didn't. Nobody ever told me that. Oh wow! Like I, okay. I took too many music credits, and they were like, "You don't have Spanish your senior year." So, so while everyone left, I had to stay there and wow. do Spanish class. Well, that
0: sounds like your counselor wasn't really on top of things. Right? No,
1: she was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up getting truancy because I didn't go to that last class. There you go. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, hey. Anyways, y- you made it. You're here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did make it. High school's a joke. <laughs> Anyways,
0: um, stay in school, kids. Yeah. High school may be a joke in Texas. I don't know how it is in other places. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: skip high school and then just go to college. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um uh so yeah, during that time, kind of uh, I guess I'm you know in my teenage years at that point. En age Uh but I remember you know like you know growing up kind of like uh figuring out who you like in music, you know, mm-hmm. and when I was a kid, you didn't, you know, you don't know what you like, you know, backstreet boys and all that came out and I had all those records, you, you know, like, hey, no strings attached had the NSYNC record. Hey,
0: you've played with you and I both. Have we played have
1: with an NSYNC guy. We have so, full circle. Yeah. Um, but I think all that adds to like, I mean, it, it was good music. We'll just say it. Yeah. It sold millions of records. Oh, yeah. It's popular for a reason. Yeah. So um, but then I remember uh, like seeing like Limp Bizkit and Eminem. And then I got kind like, all into the hip hop thing. And then, you know, that kind of led to Limp Bizkit and then Limp Bizkit led to Metallica. Yeah. And then uh, from there, it was just like rock and. That's awesome. Sort of coming on after that. i remember I bought like, you know, when people bought CDs <laughs> back in the day, right? <laughs> yeah. I like would gather all the couch changes that I could and like go to CD warehouse and try to buy like Megadeth records. And that's where I would buy CDs. Yeah. The CD warehouse is one yep. right down the road from where my parents live. So yeah, dude, there was one uh, I lived in Louisville on Main Street and there was one like right right there, uh by my the apartment complex I lived in. So I would go there all the time. Uh, uh but yeah, and I remember, you know, that during that shed time out in the country, I was really into Aussie at that point. Yeah. And, I, and Evan Essence came out that, that time and I like, really liked them. I remember learning that whole record front to back when it came out. Um and uh but yeah, there was a long time of like just learning by ear because like that time like YouTube wasn't really a thing yeah. and I had like dial up internet, you know, <laughs> uh, and uh, so it was really like, you know, fast forwarding and rewinding on the on your boombox. There you go and learning everything by ear and I think that's kind of a lost thing these days because oh yeah, even now for me, like I don't want to spend time anymore. I just want to go to YouTube. Have Dude, somebody tell me how to play right. it. Yeah, I can, I can really <laughs> um, but yeah, I really think that time of like not being not having a car or not being old enough to drive and being out in the middle of nowhere and not having anything else to do. Um, just being able to sit in my room for hours and hours and be able to like shed away. Nice. I think it really helped. And because um, I think probably till I was 16, I did that from like 12 to 16. Uh, and then I think around that time where we I was already playing country gigs and did some some gigging stuff in Fort Worth, like in the stockyards and stuff oh, like sweet. that.
0: At 16, you were gigging. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. nice. Very
1: cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was good. They had to sneak me in the back door and all that. Yeah, I was gonna say like, what are the what are the laws for that? Because I,
0: I don't know. If the, I don't know of any like people that are under twenty one that are yeah. in our industry. So
1: I mean, they don't. I mean, you either just don't tell them, or, or you, just, you just yeah yeah. But uh, it was all good. I mean, as long as you just stay out of trouble. Yeah, and you and you're know, obviously you're not, not allowed to drink. go into the bar and mingle. You have to, you know, right. kind of hang out in the back or whatever. But. It was good because I, I, you know, I was a kid and like the drummer, I think he was probably 25 or 26 at the time and he was a douche. And so that was good to like be in those situations where you can't help, you have to work with people no matter yeah. what they got to do. So that was good at learning experience. Um, and then at the, at the same time, kind of finding yourself trying to start a rock band and write, write music that you don't know how to write and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, and, uh, uh, and then... I think uh, yeah. after I graduated, I kind of like hung out for a year because I was really over school. Sure. You know, um, so I'm just kind of hanging out and I had a, a, a roommate who was a drummer and we were doing music at the time and he had met a guy on a mission trip that he went on who was a great singer, great musician. His name's uh, James Curlin um, and we ended up moving to Waco together because he lived there and we like moved in with him and his wife for like six months nice until we were able to get our, um, our jobs and whatever worked out and you
0: had you guys like did like d nows and stuff right yeah yeah like, mm-hmm. you, like, it was like a traveling
1: group mm-hmm. cool we did lots of d nows and we did lots of like summer college camps cool like, toward the end um and we played together like, th- like three to five years or something a long time i was like i, I moved to waco with the intentions of like i'm only going to live here a year and get this band started and then i'm gonna move back to to you know, move so back to uh, Dallas area yeah. and um, do my thing. But I ended up uh, staying there, and he talked me into signing up for James actually, and t- talked me into signing up for classes at uh, McLennan. Yeah, in Waco. So uh, I finished the uh, two-year associates degree there, which has done no good. So, <laughs> kids. Hey, you have a degree though. Yeah, you do. It's an applied and I didn't know degree, this. I've known whatever. you for five years. I didn't know okay. you had like a legit degree. So that's good. Well, I don't know how legit it is, but it's a degree. But go get a master's degree. (laughs) If you're going to do anything. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I can teach adjunct at a community college is what I can do right now. That's all. Hey, you know, there you go. But um, but as far as the industry that we're in right now, you don't really need that. I don't feel like at all as long as you're good at your instrument and you're able to learn songs and you're able to show up and uh, and be a good person be a good hang Yeah. yeah. Um, So anyway, it took me two years or whatever like uh, to finish that degree which they said normally take three years I took like 17 hours a semester every semester and I was working 25 hours a week and I was doing gigs on the weekend nice and I was engaged toward the end yeah I was gonna say you met your wife out there yeah so um and I, worked, I was working at T-Mobile at the time and I finally was able to quit T-Mobile toward the end and go full-time music um with the um the D-Now stuff and the summer camp thing we had we we were gone a lot it was like after I got engaged I was gone like for like twenty one days consecutively one time. Jeez. It was like a tour. It was kinda crazy. Tour for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all who knew about you on the tour is Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so did you guys just go all over
1: Texas or Yeah, okay. just mainly Texas or yeah. maybe maybe did some like Louisiana stuff or whatever. I don't remember, but uh it was a lot a lot of camps, a lot of terrible camp food. Oh man. Which it was good. It was just not not my thing. Sure. Uh I wanted to like really get out and like pursue making a band and writing songs and all that stuff. It kind of turned into being a cover band thing after a while. And that's why I ended up saying I gotta, I gotta move back and yeah get into more cover band stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> but
0: yeah. So, that's where you and I met like, mm. um, God, this was 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. I subbed for, you were in a band called time machine at the time, right? Uh, and I subbed in and yeah, that's where I met you. And it's funny because like, I did not know that this cover band, I call it cover band land. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that it existed Yeah. and I'm a, I'm like native to Fort worth. Yeah. Um, but I had like, I literally had no idea until I moved back from college yeah. and I kind of just accidentally got thrown into it, but you lucked out there's, well, it's, it's a great industry. Yeah. You know, the more, mm-hmm. the more, longer that I've been in it, I just learned to appreciate it more and more.
1: Yeah, I do too. We're really lucky. Um, I think most of the corporate things here that we, like the gigs that we get, I really think it has to do with like, there are tons and tons of, uh, corporate headquarters here for, yeah. you know, there's like free Lay, There's, um, Toyota, Toyota, Toyota Hewitt Packard, you know, HP and you know, whatever, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff in Plano. It's all in Plano, right? <laughs> we, we've done tons of those gigs. Um, so I think that's just where it comes from. There's like tons of company parties all the time. And obviously this is a huge city and people are always getting married. Yeah, always no, need a need no a doubt. Yeah. Um, There's a huge
0: demand for like live music also, which I'm surprised, like within the like club scene as well. Mm-hmm. Like restaurants and bars always want to have live music.
1: Yeah, they just don't want to pay for it. Yeah. Well,
0: I <laughs> anyway, mean, it de- it depends on where you play, but. Yeah,
1: for sure. I'm just kidding. I sound jaded. No, I'm not jaded kids. <laughs> no, you're very happy. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh, yeah and so around that time, you know, graduating, or so I've been in Waco this whole time, but rewind when i was 15 or so or maybe even 13 or 14 there was a lady who lived near me out in the country and her daughter rode my bus and she you know got to talking to her daughter and she's like my stepdad plays guitar and whatever and so i ended up like going over her house just to meet her stepdad and uh his name's rio wallace he's a guitar player here in town um, okay. but he's like a unt guy from back in the day insane player And I remember being like totally blown away by him. He was really killer. Yeah, he still
0: is. I haven't heard
1: anybody from UNT that
0: does is not killer.
1: Yeah, I have. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) then that must be a rare. But they're like younger people. Oh yeah, probably like young
0: pups. Yeah, everybody that we work with from UNT is just amazing.
1: Yeah, it seems like people that I meet that go to have went to UNT the music program that come from like UNT music program in the '80s or like early '90s are really good. Yeah. Um. But, uh, I don't know. I think that has to do with the individual personally. I don't know if it matters how much school you have
0: i've just, I've heard that it's incredibly intense,
1: like yeah, the standard
0: yeah. is very high at that school.
1: I didn't want to do it, yeah, yeah. I'm not really into the um, competition side of musicianship. I'm just not anymore. A big, I'm just not a big jazz guy, yeah, that too i I like to play more
0: pocket and stuff, yeah, but yeah, everybody yeah. there i mean you you can only get a degree in like jazz studies if you're doing a right. performance degree, right nothing wrong with that yeah. I mean it. Directly translates to all sorts of different styles,
1: but right. yeah, I just I yeah. don't know. Um, sorry, I got off track. No, I, so, I got you off track. That's all good. Uh, so I think um, so. I met him, and then she. I did, I still have a relationship with her. Um, she uh, was just kind of around, and as I got older, she, you know, eventually we put a little band together when I was sixteen, and she ended up like helping me book gigs and like get me shows and stuff, because um, that's kind of like what she loved to do. And uh, her name's Jackie Jackie Henley um, super sweet lady. And um, anyway, she knew everybody in this scene wow. and I remember being 15 or 16 and I, she snuck me into Memphis uh, wow. one night and she introduced me to Chi. I think I met Chi when I was like Chi Paduano when I was 15 or so. Nice. And so I've been uh, friends with Chi since then and he's actually the guy who made phone calls to get me gigs whenever I was done with school. When I moved back to town, Uh, he got me the first gig that I got with um, Live 80. Yeah, it's a good band. But funny enough, when I got snuck into Memphis when I was 16, the band playing was Time Machine. Oh, was it really? Yeah, and, wow. and, and Earl had like super sweet like blonde spiked hair, nice. and uh, I remember he was singing believe in a Thing Called Love," and I was like totally blown away by by the falsetto and yeah, all that. Man. And then funny, like 10 years later in their in that band, you know. Well, yeah, it's it's such a like it's actually a
0: pretty small community, if yeah. You, if you really think about it, like I played at Marty B's the other night, and I'm mm-hmm. looking at the. Um, the ca- They have like a calendar. Yeah, there was band name yeah and it's like I know all these bands. I know yeah. all, like I know a lot I, or you played with a lot of them, right? Yeah, yeah I have you know, I freelance so I work with a lot of these different bands, but yeah, it's just the, the longer you're in it and the more time you've uh, you know, put put on stage you uh, it, you just start to see it's a lot smaller.
1: Oh yeah, I get to know everybody. I yeah. think it's funny when I look at the look at like the member count of performers anonymous is a thousand people nice. So it's like not that to me that's not that much for the this whole scene you know i feel like everyone that we know is on there yeah and and then some i guess but
0: yeah i've had conversations with people that are like you know they just think that there's you know more than that in in the industry and like it's intimidating and everything like that but i mean i don't know i oh yeah
1: Like, like if i was moving to town now i might be a little intimidated but yeah um but I'd be more intimidated if I were moving to Nashville, dude. I, yeah, <laughs> God like Tony. Do you know, you know Tony Campano?vo I, I had never met him, but I've heard all about he him. just moved there. He just made his first video post like shredding something saying of course he did. Hey, I'm Is he here the- for your service <laughs> Nashville. Yeah, I'm, that's what I've, he said. I've come to your place.
0: Is he uh, he's the Ibanez guy, right?
1: Or is that... So um, he plays a lot of different guitars. He works for... He worked for Line 6 recently for a while.
0: Oh, that's what... Okay. Yeah. I didn't know... Because there's one guy in town that is like a... I thought he's like an Ibanez rep or something.
1: Oh, maybe. And I don't remember your na- his name, but I know who you're talking about. Okay. But yeah. But all he's that, a UNT guy too. Dude. Combinovo. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, a he has a monster.
0: Bro- he has a brother too that plays drums, right? Yes. Okay. And he's also good. Sweet. Yeah. He's a very good. Yes. But all that to say, man, that like, you know... I was having a conversation with uh, the last podcast, Ben and I were talking about um, how when we went to college, like the standard and like the pattern that everybody was doing, uh, all of our peers, they were all moving to LA or Nashville or New York or something. Yeah. And we even considered that, but you know, we decided to come back home to the Dallas area and things have been far beyond what we could have imagined and there it just like the more that i'm in this industry there are i come to discover there are so many killer players here yeah it does you don't have to be a hot like you don't have to be in la to be a successful musician right so i mean success is a relative sure you know yeah relative to everybody yeah it's like i i work with some incredible incredible musicians and we both do we're both very lucky to do that oh yeah so for sure. Just, I,
1: I normally feel like I'm the least talented person on stage, oh, which is I, good. I, I, I do mean, as well. I kind of want it to be like that. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's how it should be. You should never be the smartest guy in the room. You should never be the most talented one on the stage. For
1: sure. That's <laughs> when you know you need to get out of that band. <laughs> if you're the most talented one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You need to You need to surround yourself with people who are like killer. It's yeah. the only Way you're going to get better. Yeah, man.
0: And it's really easy to with within anything. It's really easy to get complacent, you know? Yeah, especially if you're making good money. Yeah, which you can do in in Dallas. You can make you can do that. You can. It's possible. (laughs) It's also possible possible to go totally broke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, during a pandemic. Yeah, everybody everybody gets a little bit of grace during that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So yeah, you and I met in 2017. I think I subbed with time machine. And then you and I you were in that band for what, five years?
1: Yeah. Like yeah. Five and a half years, a long time.
0: And when I I was in it for about a year and a half. But talk to me about like your experience because that's a tough gig. Really, really hard gig for mm-hmm. anybody coming in because their yeah. catalog I remember their catalog is so large. I remember when um, P B was asking me to sub for him, I was like, Can you yeah. send me a set list? And he literally laughed at me and he said, There are nine hundred songs in the catalog. And yeah. I was like, are you serious? Yeah. He's like, you know, you're just going to have to spray and he's, pray. He's, yeah. You know? He
1: said, he said, it's <laughs> yeah. just show up with big ears, man. A big. That's
0: exactly <laughs> what he said. Big ears. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just talk to me about like your experiences there and like, you know, d- your growth throughout that period.
1: Yeah. Um, kind of pre, um, pre time machine. I was in live 80 for a year and a half or so, mm-hmm. and they uh, don't have as big as of a catalog but they do do these really long um, uh, medleys or whatever. And uh, Mm -hmm. I remember getting to town and I had never. I mean, I love all these rock songs that we do. Like I've listened to those forever since I was a kid, but I hadn't had to really learn all these tunes until I moved to town. Um, And so I do remember sitting down, you know, for a few weeks and learning like three hours of music or whatever.
0: Nice. and it was the same show every time or
1: was it like not every time because they had multiple um, uh, they call them blocks, but multiple medleys to choose from that gotcha. they would just insert there every night, but they would be the same yeah. every night. Um, they have one that's like 15 minutes long.
0: Yeah, which I is crazy. Yeah, there's a, there's one of the Emerald City bands that I sub with that they have a medley. That's about 20 yeah. 20 minutes long. I'm like this it's crazy, <laughs> but like you, you forget you forget that you're playing a medley like because yeah. the transitions are just so smooth. Right, it's just right. like, all right, hopefully. But, yeah, hopefully, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there aren't any like crazy tempo changes or yeah, anything yeah. like
0: that. So that's good.
1: Um, so I remember like after shedding on that and like, you know, kind of seeing what that's like. I mean, I wasn't really like new to like learning material. You know, I had, yeah. i had been using my ear for a long time before that, but um, uh, so that was really good to learn all that music and kind of just get in had to play things that i never had to play before and you know that definitely helps you get get better technically as a player absolutely um so fast forward after um after that band uh i go to um join time machine and obviously it's like super intimidating with the amount of songs you have to learn but it was good because i had a little bit of a head start yeah. with the or so i thought with the with the three hours that i had learned before uh it was a little bit more than three hours maybe about six hours of music but um in the live 80 tunes they only do about like the first two minutes of every song you're right yeah Yeah, so i remember like some songs going to play them with time machine and thinking that i knew them and then like you'd be like oh there's a bridge in this song (laughs) yes yeah i I remember yeah Yeah, or or, like oh there's a solo here i didn't even know about or whatever (laughs) i can relate yeah so i ended up having to go learn the other half of songs which is funny um but yeah, the same kind of thing. Uh, I didn't really treat that one the same where yeah, I would go home and shed a bunch of stuff. Maybe at first. I remember what we started out doing like um, the live band karaoke thing. Yeah. Because uh, that was like the main thing with Time Machine when I was joining was, yes, it's like a weekend cover gig, but the main thing you have to be balls on with is the the live band karaoke. Yeah. They did that like twice a week. Yeah. So. And um, yeah, at the time when I joined Time Machine, they were working Tuesday through Saturday. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I can't remember exactly how this went, but I remember just kind of like doing the first few gigs and making it through the gig and then, you know, taking the karaoke list home. Yeah. And looking at the songs I didn't know during the night and learning all those like that. And I kind of treated it like that because I was just, I was just like, I thought it was so crazy about how many songs there were to learn. I wasn't going to go page by page alphabetical order and learn every single song if we don't play them every night so
0: yeah yeah and I remember when I when I joined um yeah the live band karaoke thing like very quickly you started to kind of uh get regulars you started to recognize right. who the regulars were and mm-hmm. okay every time this person gets up here they're gonna sing that song that song yeah so I need to definitely have that one ready yeah, to go exactly but I mean dude like that
1: to this day is the hardest gig I've ever done oh yeah yeah for sure um, and, I th- and again, I think I had a little bit of preparation H, <laughs> a little bit of preparation for that because um, uh, live 80 actually had a karaoke gig that they did before that I did a lot, mm-hmm. but it was not like time machine obviously, but it was more like I was listening to all these songs that time machine did in like yeah. in my ears and basically like learning them on the fly at the gig and then you know, when I had to go to the time machine gigs like even if I hadn't spent time shedding on that song, I could like make it through the song nice. Um, that's the other thing I want to talk about. Is like, even if you don't know a song, you should be able to make it through the song.
0: Yeah, well you, like having a good ear is
1: right. extremely
0: important. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And that's something that I try to teach my students. Is like, you know, I'm going to teach you. I want to teach you as many vantage points as possible of how to right. make it through a performance situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you decide to pursue this professionally, right. like. I mean from my experience in in Time Machine like I would not have been able to survive that gig if I didn't have those charts Uh that I've had I would have fallen on my face but at the same time I would have it would have, I mean, let me, let me backtrack. I probably wouldn't have fallen on my face, but it would have taken me a lot longer to be sure. comfortable with it because I mean, yes, I, I can play by ear and I yeah. can memorize. You can make it things. through a song. You can plow through. Yeah. You know, just tune for a snare. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <fucking> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think it's extremely important for, I mean, reading music and understanding theory is only going to make your life easier. Sure. But you also should be able to figure out a song by ear. Yeah
1: definitely so. uh, i i you don't want to let it hinder you yeah um cuz i remember i had I had a roommate who's a who's a great piano player uh classically trained that whole thing he can read anything that you put in front of him but as soon as you'd play a 145 blues and you asked him to do a an improv he'd like lose his mind yeah totally yeah so it's very important to not, not get sucked into like what's on the page all the time. Like you still need to listen yeah. and listen to everybody else in the band what they're doing and find where you fall into, into place, uh, to serve the song. Absolutely. Uh, that's really what I think is most important about doing any of these gigs, whether it's a cover gig or your own gig, like serve the song. Yep. You know, I completely agree, man. Yeah. So
0: you were in the, you were in time machine for five years. <coughs> yep. Or ish, ish. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: um, it was I mean, the best gig I've, ha- I've ever had. Same. Like, yeah. Definitely made me grow big time. And being able to have the opportunity to play, just play that much in front of people and uh, all that just really can make your playing and your sense of musicality just go leaps and bounds. Uh, because, I mean, you can have rehearsals and you can shed at home all you want, but it doesn't mean anything in- unless you can pull it off live and and yeah and like you said i'm sure you've heard this a million times too like you know like one show is worth like 20 rehearsals absolutely oh my god yeah there's
0: some guy in nashville that was like one one gig equals eight hours of practice by yourself or something like that but i I think what you said whatever the the ratio is (laughs) right yeah what you said it makes even more sense um but you and I both decided to leave after a while. I mean, you you were there for five years. I was there for only like a year and a half. You figured it out way more than before I did. No, (laughs) no, I just uh, for me personally, I was just experiencing a little bit of burnout because I had never been on the road. Like we were on the road for a year and a half.
1: Yes. Straight like every weekend almost. Yeah.
0: Well, every weekend we were, we were out of town. We traveled a lot to like Oklahoma and Louisiana and everything. Mm hmm. Uh, I was in a relationship, like a new relationship at the time. I wanted to be home and everything. Um, So I just remember there was one point for me personally where it was a Tuesday night. And uh, I just remember thinking like, I would much rather just stay at home and watch a movie than go to work but you that's know,
1: when you know you need to not be there
0: yeah and so i but it's nothing against i have no qualms with anybody in that band right. i just was like this is just starting to get a little too much for me and mm-hmm. so i decided to to leave and take a break i took a break from music for a few months actually
1: oh really i yeah, didn't even know that it, it
0: impacted me pretty well at least from like gigging i mean i had like a right. church gig but, right right but i mean what, what was it like for you like what was what, what through your mind
1: of you know, stepping away and pursuing other things. Um, I, it's like bittersweet. Like I really didn't want to. Um, I just wish we had more in town gigs. Yeah. That's all. Um, which is a whole different subject that I would, I could get on about. Well, you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to talk about. No, I I mean, I don't want to offend other people in town. Sure. But well, okay. I'm not going to say any names, whatever. Yeah. It's annoying that a band as good as time machine has to leave the the state to make ends meet whenever there's a huge city here there's a big market, yeah there's a big market, but it's a little oversaturated, and a lot of people who are hiring these bands are either don't care or are a little uneducated on um the talent level of some of these bands yeah and I think be- eventually they're figuring it out there are, might also be some politics in there a
0: little bit too, I of mean, course, you know always like band owners might get buddy buddy with
1: the booking agent or something i'm sure that you know? happens yeah yeah um that's all i'm gonna say about that yeah but uh yeah, yeah i did not want to i didn't really want to leave i just it's kind of bittersweet like i was saying and uh but i have got two um two little kids i've got one who will be four in december and one who's i think like 24 months almost yeah yeah he's almost he's getting up there nice um and, uh, oh, by the way, happy Father's Day. Oh, thanks, buddy. Dude. Appreciate it. Yeah. I know, Father's Day was yesterday. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, it was good. Um, and being a father is awesome, uh, but you have to be there. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, it was just kind of that. My wife is working full time, and you know, we've got the two little kids. Uh, and just being out of town um, three days out of the week doesn't really work for that. Sure. Um, so, uh, but you know, they still do gigs here locally and we're still we're all still working together. You and you and I still do sub gigs. I've yeah,
0: been with them from time to time
1: um, and we've met. Yeah, I think I've got lifelong friendships. Absolutely. You know, which is
0: awesome. I'm starting to play golf with Earl now. So oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: definitely then. Yeah, he might die on the golf course. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that guy man like when he when he like when he gets something in his head of like what what he wants to do something he will stop at nothing to get good at it yeah it's it's amazing oh yeah he's so good
1: yes he's good at bass good at golf yes he's a good band leader yes sir um but yeah that was really it just just the, the family life thing and well and on top of that you know i really wanted to uh, have more time to uh, dedicate toward recording and writing, as you guys know, that's a passion of y'all's. Um, so just being out of town a lot of times that is not really conducive to that, um, unless you just bring all your gear with you, which is what I ended up started doing is yeah. bringing some recording gear uh, to the hotel room. You,
0: I, yeah. yeah, like you and I often would, I don't want to say shack up, but we would be, we would. be <laughs> <laughs> we'd be roommates yeah. on the road and yeah you would bring like outboard gear and everything dude yeah too we, much you were obsessed but i, I just I, bought, brought my apollo and that's it <laughs> <laughs> but i i thought i i don't know that was inspiring you're like it showed me that you were like really dedicated to that
1: it's just like an obsession thing i really can't help i just have, I, I can't leave it alone yeah you know and um uh which it's still really hard to complete things, even though even if you're upset, uh, obsessed about th- some things, you're all uh, you know, it's almost like you don't want to let things go because you're working. You're so work really hard on the detail. F- part yeah, of you and you
0: get in your head. <laughs> oh so yeah, you, totally. you get in your head and you're like um, yeah, yeah, like this. This like after a while when I start writing something, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And then like 10 seconds later, I'm like, dang, this sucks. Like I need to sh- I need to shelf this one.
1: Yeah, so, or come back later or whatever. Right, Right. <laughs> Oh wait, are you asking hey ben, to get you more coffee? Ben. I thought you were like toasting dude. <laughs> Can no? I get some more coffee, please? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were like, Yeah, I love you. I love you, dude.
0: I'm like raising my glass as awesome. Ben's walking by.
1: Um what were we talking about?
0: Um transitioning because you wanted to do more um, yeah, okay. like producing yeah. and songwriting and stuff.
1: Yeah, so um just to kill the time, because you know there'd be times where most of the time when we're out of town doing a casino gig or something, you know, you don't play until in the evening. And you have the entire day, have the entire day of nothingness, you yeah. know, if, if you wanted. Thanks, buddy. But I know we would stay up to like five in the morning for whatever reason. The wake up at like three. <laughs> <laughs> we had fun though, dude. It was yeah. man. Like
0: I think it's the perfect gig if you're single. Yes. Um it is. and you know, fresh out of college like I was right. and yeah. Uh but yeah, after a while you're just like I, I you, you start I I started to feel like I just had to move on to something else, but yeah. not again. No hard feelings to anybody. Like yeah. I'm extremely grateful for my experience in that band. Yeah, it's, me it's, too, man. It has shaped me. Like I feel because now I'm a free, mostly freelance. I feel like I can step in on just about any gig now on like a moment's notice and be able, to be able to make it
1: through. Oh yeah, you know? I think I could step into pretty much anyone's gig unless it was like hardcore country or something, right? Which I think I still could probably make it. You yeah, I could make it. But can you play? Can you, have you? How's your uh, chicken picking? Is it getting better? Uh, I can fake it till I you make can, it. You can but, fake it till uh, you make it. All right. That's I definitely what. need to like. Brent Mason is doing hundred dollar an hour, uh, Skype lessons right now, and I really need to jump into that because like, like half the country songs that Time Machine plays, he's playing guitar on. Right. So I'm like, can you just teach me how you played everything in the '90s, please?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's only charging a hundred bucks. That's pretty. That's a yeah,
1: deal insane for his resume. Oh yeah if you guys don't know who Brent mason is please go check him out do yourself a favor yeah do yourself a favor so
0: you have a project now called feel the void yes and you write some really badass music i try and so it was when did this like come to fruition like when did you start did
1: um probably I guess it's probably like four years ago now or yeah. something like that. It's toward, toward maybe like I was, I've been in time machine like a couple of years and that's, I had met John Ellis. He was running town. Ta- he was running sound for time machine when I joined mm-hmm. and actually he quit the band like a uh, four weeks into my, Oh really? yeah, yeah. Wow. he was like, Hey, nice to meet you. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good riddance. Yep. <laughs> um, Take care now. Bye. Yeah. Bye then. And uh, if you guys don't know out there, John Ellis is a super talented, uh, life and, uh, engineer but he does great studio mixes as well so uh i just finally got to the point where and at this point i didn't really know anything about mixing i had been recording a long time Mm -hmm. like since i was a kid i've been to studios and that whole thing so that was uh pretty easy for me to do the recording side of things but i had no idea about mixing or anything like that and so i had just been kind of hounding him about about, hey man help me out with this project help me produce this project whatever because i just had when you start playing guitar from a young age, you, you develop some, uh, ideas, yeah. you know, which instill like some of the, some of the riffs that are in the, the songs, um, are things that I had come up with when I was like 15. Nice. Which is kind of funny. And it is like really satisfying when you finally can like, Oh, I finally put that in a song. Yeah, you know, man. Whatever. Um, Anyway, I'm, uh, the fill the void thing is always like a, a work, in, work in progress and I'm still trying to figure out like exactly what the direction is of all that. And, yeah. it's, and every song that I continue to try to work on is like a little bit different. So I think I'm finally starting to figure that out. And as I get older, I'm kind of figuring out, you know, different stylistic things. That yeah, like. you're not
0: like limiting yourself to one genre. You're yeah. Kind of, yeah.
1: Well, it's all kind of rock, I guess, but yeah. like not being afraid to do a different style of rock, I guess. Sure. There doesn't have to be this like, you know, super strict genre uh, confinement, right, I guess. And just to clarify, it's feel the void, feel the void, yes. not 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 fill. fill the void. Yeah, feel a little play on words right. there. Yes, that's super deep. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, super deep. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, my goal with the fill the void thing is just kind of to be more of a writing and recording project and build sort of an online presence. Um, I'm not really about like trying to put anything together live at the moment. Yeah. Um, if there were ever like a big enough buzz online that uh, or if I somehow did like a online poll and figured out that I could get people to a show, you know, then I might think about putting like a, a band together and getting rehearsals together and like do it all. But yeah,
0: you know, it like what you just said reminds me of the whole like before I got into cover bands, I thought like I was going to be in a in a rock band that toured. Oh, got, me too. Got man. on the yeah. Warp tour and everything yeah. like that, and you know slept in a uh, eighteen passenger van and like just traveled all over the place. Yeah. I didn't want it bad enough. Yeah, well, yeah. So it's like <laughs> it's <laughs> after being and you know making money and make and paying your bills with doing cover gigs. It's really hard to like kind of go back to that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I completely understand people that. Uh, don't want to go through that
1: grind. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like I it mean, makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I've, I was already, I've been I've been married and True. the kids now, like you just, unless your other half is okay with that or they're going to go with you or something, that it just, it's not conducive. Yeah. In most situations, it's just like, yeah,
0: just, I don't know. I, it does, it, it's not, not in, the, in the stars for me, I don't think, anymore. Yeah. But it's all good. I'm just happy to be playing drums for a living, you know? Yeah.
1: And same thing for me. I'm happy to be playing music for a living. I do have a little bit of regret, like, obviously I don't regret my family or my wife or my kids or anything, but I, I you know, there's always like that fear of failing, you know, sure. and I do have to kind of have that regret of like not going to California or not going to Berkeley or any, any of those places and is mostly just worried about being in debt my whole life, but um, at the same time, I think this side of the card has worked out pretty good. Well, and I, well, I think that Feel the Void and, or any kind of creative outlet
0: is a perfect way to kind of combat that. You know, it's like, I think that you can make anything happen from anywhere in the country. Oh, for sure. In the world. Yeah. 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 You know, it. Do, you don't have to be
1: in the hotspot music scene. Right. You know, you can do yeah. it. You can do it from anywhere. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Especially with, the, you know, the internet and then able to collaborate with people online totally. and all that kind of type of thing. Um, yeah, social media, like yeah. Instagram is a huge way to market yourself and everything. So, yes, sir. Um, but yeah, uh, I am really excited about like new fill the void tunes that I've been working on coming out and uh, just being able to work and then, you know, just being living here longer, doing more gigs and meeting more musicians. You like meet people who are like, man, that guy's a great player or whoever, yeah. or girl, whoever mm-hmm. I'd like to collaborate with them. And so like, that's kind of a ongoing thing is trying to do uh, collaborations with people. Totally. Um, that was another point of the fill the void is like, there's so like you're saying, there's so many good musicians here in town. I feel like, there should be some creative outlet that you can show off everyone's talent. And yeah, that's not a cover situation. Exactly. Um, because I mean, obviously being a musician feeling underappreciated, I feel like other people feel underappreciated. So sure. I kind of want to help do my part to like feature people who, who I think are killer. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And that's, you know, this podcast is another, another outlet for me to like just, have people like you kind of tell your story, mm-hmm. and you know, like there's so many just badass people in this in this industry, right? So, are, are you starting to do like mixes
1: for people? Or are you starting oh, to like yes. are you starting to like record bands and everything now? Um, I would like to record more full bands. Uh, it's more mixing at this at this point. Um, uh, but yeah, I got into mixing more, like after we'd been doing fill the void for a while, and um, John Ellis he works all the time. He's super talented. So he, he's busy, you know? Yeah. And so I got to that point and I think a lot of people do, they get to that point where you don't want to depend on anyone else. Yeah. You know, cause it was like me calling him like needing stuff from him and it's like he's unavailable or whatever. So I was like, you know what? I need to like dig in and learn some, some of this mixing stuff or right. you know, all that. So that, that's what kind of began my, like my journey. That was around 2015 or so. Cause I remember I've, I've been hitting it hard since then, just basically putting myself through like, online mixing courses like college courses, basically for the last five years, uh, which is funny that you do all that work and you don't really extra start getting good until you start mixing songs. Totally. It doesn't matter how much research you do and all oh, that yeah, kind of stuff. You you have to get hands on training, right? Um, but I love it. It's like another. It's like I almost like it better than guitar these days, um, which is kind of sad. It's like I at, at home and that's a, the that's another terrible thing about this pandemic. <laughs> is I got all my playtime at gigs yeah. and now we're not gigging as much so it's like uh, I don't play as much at home but uh, but like I said you have room there's room to have other passions sure. other than just your instrument that you play absolutely uh, but yeah that's kind of like that for me for the mixing thing I just I love it because it's kind of like a uh, one of those things that's like instant gratification yeah kind of like an, inst- an instrument the more you work on it the more time you spend on it The hopefully the better you get I, it's definitely an instrument yeah I, I agree with you yeah um and i like that you know you get that instant gratification whenever you're like oh that's it you Mm -hmm. know or whatever um and there's also something cool about like if you're recording somebody else's project and you you like hit the nail on the head and you do something great for the other person and they you know like i've had the experience where um uh somebody had cried after they heard their wow yeah they teared up or whatever because they just they were like I never heard it. Like, this is how I hear it in my head or whatever. That's so cool. And that's really cool that I hadn't really experienced before. And I kind of, I really dig that and like helping bring somebody else's uh, vision out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, that's been rewarding. Good man. Yeah. So like, do you have, uh, what's the name of your studio? Um, I've just been going by Jared Glasby Music. Okay. Just been I have got a website www.jaredglasbymusic.com. Jared is J.com. J A R R O D. Yes. Um so uh yeah, it's not really like a, a studio at the point at this point because I don't really have a facility. Sure. Um, besides my my mix room. Well, um,
0: you I I've been to your home
1: setup and it's
0: awesome. Oh, so thank you yeah, sir. A great great setup. So I want to go back to what you were saying about how like during the pandemic you have like the like playing gigs is your way to play. Right. So are you kind of like, I would assume you're kind of like me where you don't really recreationally practice anymore. I'm trying to now you are now because okay. I,
1: because I noticed when we start doing, when I started doing a couple of gigs coming back from this, uh having no gigs, you know, super like physically rusty. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, so I've been trying to like get back into like at least like 10 minutes or 15 minutes just doing like running through scales and running through like physical warm up stuff. And that's good. Trying to get right hand and left hand, like synchronized and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I wonder if that's how most professional
0: musicians are like w- whenever you do it for a living I I, yeah. don't, I couldn't imagine people just like practicing 10 hours a day still I mean yeah. I'm sure there well, are those types of people and they're that's why they're better than we are but <laughs> <laughs> yeah like like we're talking
1: about Tony Campanovo like I that guy plays circles around me and a lot of people in town and it's because he spends so much time with it you know Yeah It's the thousand good on hour rule. Yeah, Yeah exactly which I want to do that but as i've gotten older my like attention span just can't i can't sit there for that long
0: i'm just the type of person that loves to be on stage with other people you know like that's it's really hard for me to i mean i spent countless hours when i was in college like in the practice room by myself and that got really lonely Mm yeah um yeah and then once you get exposed to like making music and creating with other people it's hard to kind of isolate yourself again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't really like practicing things for not a purpose. Sure. I want to be practicing something that I have to learn for a gig or I have to learn for go. whatever, because there's more motivation not to fall on your face in front of people. Um, cause that's never good. Yeah. And which has definitely happened. It's happened to me too. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Like being at like playing a gig at Windstar and there's like hundreds of people out there and like having to do like the solo from, uh, sweet child of mine. No, no, whatever. <laughs> like, a, uh, what's that Eagles tune? Oh, um, oh, I should know this Hotel California Yeah, Hotel California. Like if you fall on your face in Hotel California, that's a song that people know and love and people who aren't musicians can like sing you that solo. Yes. So <laughs>
0: and they'll come up and they'll, they'll come up and let you know. Like, yeah, hey, man, you didn't play there like the record.
1: It dude. only took me one time of like flubbing that to say I'm going to go shed that hardcore and not screw up again.
0: The most um, embarrassing Store or the the most embarrassed I've ever felt on a gig was we were playing at the Maverick with Time Machine. I'm pretty sure you were there. Super packed house. I'm oh. sure. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was fresh, fresh into the band. I don't even think I'd made it a month yet. And they called Heartbreaker by Pat, oh, yeah. Pat Benatar. You gotta know that one too. I had never played that song before. Yeah. Never heard it, but I was sight reading it on the, oh, on the yeah. chart. And when it got to the chorus, it didn't specify that it was halftime. Oh, brutal! So <laughs> I played it full time during the course, and I remember like I was my 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 eyes were just glued to the chart because I was like, I don't know the song, I have you know. And I remember hearing Earl scream at me. He goes, Caleb, <laughs> it's time <half-time." laughs>
1: I want to hear how that feels because I don't remember that. You're a heartbreaker. Well, it does. It it sounds like double time. It's not like you're playing a double time, right? I was. Yeah. So
0: eventually it does get double time, but I'm talking like when like the first couple choruses, it goes to halftime, right? No, no. That's what I
1: mean. It it, sounds like double time when you're playing when you're supposed to be playing halftime in the double in the chorus, right? Yes. Yes.
0: And so I felt like the biggest ass (laughs) ever and I I thought I was going to get fired that night. I was like, there's no way they're going to want me back on. But anyway,
1: it's good thing. Nobody cares about that song. (sighs) <sighs> i'm joking <laughs> well yeah I mean, to I'm some joking. extent
0: but it, it it was also good that there was hardly anybody there but still it's yeah. kind of embarrassing
1: yeah but yeah that's what, that's what we're saying it doesn't matter how many people are there it only takes you being embarrassed in front of your bandmates oh yeah for you that's the embarrassing thing you're like you, people because your bandmates are like you, you should well, know who, who this dude yeah it's like who is this guy yeah um But normally everyone's got a good sense of humor if you're in the right band and you you can kind of laugh that stuff off and just, you know, get it the next time. And I used to think that when you're
0: like, if you're a professional musician, that you don't ever make mistakes on stage. Yeah. But that's completely false. Yeah. I don't think I've ever done one gig where no one has made a mistake.
1: Yeah. You're human. There's no
0: way around it. And especially with like how many like how many songs that we all are responsible for knowing and playing per night. Yeah. Um, And you know, (laughs) right. And you have a, you have a sub singer that comes in that is used to singing a song in a different key and it's hard for them to hear it. And yeah, singers don't know (laughs) the count and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, I have learned how to like spoon feed entrances to singers. You you know, it's like, here you go. This is where you start singing. Yeah. So that's part
1: of your job anyway. It is set up sections. Absolutely. That's the way that I look at it. And because I've played with a a drummer, obviously not going to name any names, but who didn't set up any sections. Wow. Ever. That's okay. And for me, I know it should be my responsibility to know where I am and like, you know, counting the bars and whatever. Yeah. But it really helps to play with a drummer who, who does that stuff. Yeah. Because... Um, it lets everyone in the band feel where you're going. Totally. And it's more of like a feel thing instead of like, oh, I'm counting these bars to the next section or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, and that's what I explain to my students is drum fills, I mean, yeah, you can play some cool stuff every once in a while, but like they are literally designed to be, to communicate to the listener. That there's a transition happening. yeah, Yeah, to the listener and the other musicians that we are going to end this section and transition into this one. Right. So, that's personally how I look at it and I you know? Yeah, that's what I live by. Uh,
1: I call it like hype. hype, sort of like if you're all that like the drums and everything else in the instrumentation in the song all add up because there's probably something else that's hinting at that transition other than the drums. Yeah. So I kind of call that like there's the hype up point where you're gonna. Hey, we're transitioning here. Gotcha. You know?
0: Yeah, that's really good. So like, <laughs> that's that's a great way to transition into um, the next thing I was going to talk to you about is like, what are your like expectations for drummers? Um, like they're coming in on a gig that you've never played with before. What are you expecting of them?
1: Um, well, it doesn't matter how good you are, no matter what musician, what, like what instrument you play. Um, if you don't know the song, you don't know the song. Yeah. That being said, if you don't know the song, you should be able to pick your way through it. True. Um, e- even if you're a drummer, never doing the gig before, um, as long as you're able to take cues from somebody or whatever. Um, but my main expectation would be just to be able to play with a click, play in time. Yeah. And uh, like you're saying, those uh, setting up sections and all that, all those type of things. Um, I don't really feel like they have ton of ton of other responsibility other than than just nailing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that, that is true. That's true. And just not being a douche you know oh, well yeah that
0: that too that's that's kind of common sense but
1: i mean drummers seem to be the most jaded musicians that i meet just maybe because they have the most gear to haul around they're just mad
0: <laughs> <laughs> i have combated that um by i play a really small drum set yes i play a little little jazz kit little 18 inch bass drum i call that's you it, i call it the little kit that could yeah hey i like that and um well part, part is it blue do what she, she's a blue is it blue? Is it a blue kit? No, it's not. Okay. It's a, a white marine pearl finish. that Beautiful. John Zug at Dallas Drum did for me. He does great work. He does an incredible job. Go check him out. And he's awesome. DallasDrum.com, I think, is his website. Um, Go get your edges beveled. Edges beveled. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do indeed do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like really mostly because it just fits in my car easier the car i drive a little ford focus right now you got to you got to you got to be uh efficient but at one time i was playing like i was freelancing and playing like five gigs a week Mm -hmm. and the last thing that i want to do is haul around this heavy ass drum set yeah eventually you want to pay like a kid like 25 bucks to set up your set i I legitimately thought about that i was like if i ever get to a point where I can afford it, I'm gonna hire like a crew to set up my gear for me. Maybe one day, but right now I'm, yeah, I'm still I'm sure
1: you will. paying my dues. That's uh, I heard. I heard Rich Redman talk about that when he finally got going in Nashville, doing his studio gigs. If he had like you know three gigs in one day, he'd have somebody setting up another drum kit at the studio that he's got to be. Well, at.
0: You, yeah, they have like legit cartridge companies. That's that, crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Um, do you have any like drummer horror stories on a gig? Obviously, uh, I mean, no like, names need to be said, but, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't remember specifically like a, um, a train wreck or anything, but, uh, it, lo- it comes down to like technique stuff, I guess, which some of this stuff, people like people who aren't musicians may not even notice this stuff, but like drummers who have like that, um, they don't have any uh like bounce back. I don't know what you call this technically. Reba- but rebound is what we rebound, call it. Rebound, yeah. like yeah. when they hit the snare drum, they'll just hit it and yeah, s- stop. They'll do the same thing with the kick drum. Uh huh. And that's pretty terrible because uh, obviously nothing can like so ring. When, when, yeah, whenever you do that, like on the bass drum, can
0: you hear the buzz that the beater is making as it hits the oh, in the mix? Head? I don't think I can, but okay. I can hear
1: that. There's a abrupt, sustained stop. There's definitely you know? a different sound yeah. for sure. Um. Oh, another thing drummers please practice your double stroke roles. <laughs> please. <laughs> I played with a drummer one time who could not do that. He can play a beat and do all these other things that don't matter, but he can't play a role. He can't yeah. like and it's very important. That is a main I've watching. I was watching a uh, Thomas Lang video the other day just to, like nerd out over drum videos sometimes. Mm-hmm. What a great guy to nerd out over. Yeah. Um, and he's doing sessions out of his house too. Yeah, pretty cool. He's um, awesome. But he was talking about just hi-hat work or, you know, I mean, anything on the drum, but just the importance of the double stroke roll stuff and um, being able to implement on different pieces of the kit uh, just to create fills or like doing hi-hat work or whatever. Um, It sounds a lot less like clunky. Sure. It's more of um, sounds more sophisticated to me. Yeah. Um, Anyway, all that being said, you have to be a play play in time to all that.
0: Yeah. Could you imagine somebody playing the uh, snare drum part to a uh, jumper with that didn't know how to play double stroke rolls? It'd be brutal. Well, I, okay, hang on. Now that I think about it, it might be a single stroke role, but anyway, there's like, I do a lot of gigs or sessions where they're like, can you give me some kind of like military snare drum cadence thing yeah. during this part? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I automatically go back to like my drumline days of like You're practicing right. those flam tra- drags and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And um, I could not imagine not knowing rudiments. Like, yeah, I, that's something I'm really stressing on my students now is like this is going to do. This is going to benefit your life in so many ways. Number one, it's gonna make your hands stronger. Number oh, two, sure. it's gonna give you a lot cooler things to say
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: have more um, more tools in your in your toolbox. Sure. Yeah, that you can whip out whenever you need to. Definitely. But I don't think I don't think there's one gig that I do where I don't use yeah. some kind of rudiment. So oh,
1: another thing for drummers like need to learn how to tune their drums. Yeah, extremely important. Yeah, man, that's... Dude, that is... That's well, like me showing up to a gig and not knowing how to tune my guitar. Yes.
0: I I, I would argue that it might be a little more difficult for drummers just because uh, there's a lot more physics there involved sure. with like, yeah. the relationship between the tension on the top head versus the bottom head. Yes. But... It, I agree with you and that's something that I personally need to do cuz like I, I need to just have good sounding gear all the time but I get lazy and I'm just like oh well, yeah, it, yeah. it sounds fine whatever yeah. they'll they'll EQ it no big deal yeah. but
1: that that's I mean you get in lazy mode sometimes and sure. the same thing with guitar it's like oh I need to really need to change my strings these feel like rubber rubber bands or whatever you know uh whatever if I were a drummer like whatever I had to do like if I had to pay somebody or do like some classes on how to how to drum tune or whatever I would really like try to figure out or I don't know. I hear drummers hate on drum dials. They kind of hate on them, (laughs) but, uh, I'd figure out something to like get them in the ballpark. I found, I found this device the other day called,
0: I think it's called the true tuner. Oh, really? And what it. it is is, uh, like it's, it's a, it's a pretty large, uh, diameter device that has a little handle in it, but you, um, you put it on top of your drum and it has like drum keys on each of the where the lugs are. Oh yeah. And so you like take the handle and you twist it around like this and it tensions the all at the same time. Yes at the same time all in perfect cursive. That's what's up. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I've looked into that, but that it looks ridiculous, but I'm sure I mean everything that I've seen. um, Is it fast? Yeah. Well, uh-huh. it's, I think it was designed mostly to get drum heads off quickly. Oh, I see. So that okay. way, you're, I mean, I've seen guys whip out like, uh, power tools and stuff like that. Sure. Which works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be a good way to just like literally set it on and just like within like three rotations, it comes off.
1: Uh, especially if you like break a drum head during a gig or something. Dude, be- my biggest fear is busting through a bass drum head. Oh, I was on a gig recently that happened to really? the drummer, Yeah. Oh, did he
0: flip it around? Like, how did he, how did he battle that?
1: Uh, he ended up rotating the kick drum to where the beater was just like on a different part of the, the head, <sighs> still on the broken side. Yeah. But it didn't, it wasn't turned. But it was like, the th- we we're like three songs in and it broke.
0: Oh, <laughs> it was a three hour gig? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah. I'm sure he was pissed the whole night. Yeah. And
1: he didn't have an extra or anything, of course. Oh, yeah. Bring extras to gigs. Yes. Yeah. Do- no doubt, dude. And yeah, change your drum heads frequently. That's um, also another thing, yes and don't have a heavy foot like that. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how hard he's kicking, but
0: yeah, I mean, well, I think it's definitely like what you were talking about how they press the beater into the head. Mm-hmm. That definitely he could puts, have been
1: doing that. I, yeah. I, this is my first time to play with this drummer, so I didn't really know a ton about his playing. It definitely
0: puts a lot more stress on the head over time, so I could see that happening, but oh, like, I, I rarely I think I've broken maybe one or two bass drum heads in my entire career. No, that's good, but um, anyway,
1: this is embarrassing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm more concerned with breaking like snare drum heads. Yeah, that'd be, that'd, that would that'd be, be really bad. Yeah, I actually there was one situation where um, somebody on Facebook needed an extra snare drum at Memphis because they broke their drum head. Oh, nice. And so I, I was headed home from a gig and I went up and. Uh, gave him my snare drum to play for the rest of the gig, but like that's I just sweet of you. Well, I just think that that's what we all should do sure, for, yeah. for each other yeah. um, in this industry. I mean, we're all in the same boat, and I would I would want somebody to do that for me sure. personally. Yeah,
1: um, definitely. I don't know if guitarists have like an equivalent. Um, I would lend somebody my, my guitar for a gig. I would stay there until they're done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually did that, but I mean, also because I just wanted to hang out and yeah see them play. Yeah, But I did do a gig recently where I won't say his name, but his amp was acting up and it was like humming a lot. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, I think he probably should have like said, hey, does anybody have like a little combo amp that I yeah. can just use? What's an those? amp? Oh, yeah. You, you, <laughs> play, you play Axe Effects and all that. I do. So which I personally... I mean, some of the guitar tones that you've gotten are unbelievable. Oh, thanks, man! Especially on your mixes. Like I, every time you're like, "Hey, bro, listen to this mix," <laughs> you're like, the guitar tone is just on point.
1: You don't have to do anything anymore. It sounds so good out of the box. Well, I, I mean, would, you I would have, little yeah, stuff, I, I so. would have guessed that
0: you have really, you were like putting in a lot of effort. I and have stuff.
1: figured out some things about EQ with guitar tone for sure mm. over the years.
0: That's good, man. Okay, let's talk about the. Uh, Oh, I, I, I kind of want to get into like you're doing like live sound now and stuff oh, okay, like that. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, so you, all, I mean, you kind of do everything. So you're you're a guitar player. You're yes. also a live sound engineer, which you're. If I'm not mistaken, you're kind of getting into that now, right? Yes. You yes. also have your own studio where you mix yes. and produce, and yes. you actually are a songwriter too. Yes, sir. What do you not do? Um, I don't cook that
1: great. I yep. guess. Dude, I don't, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can relate. Um, no, I've just kind of figured out getting older that you can't just play your one instrument Yeah, you, know, you can't just do one thing. Otherwise you're just going to be broke. Well, you, it's always good to have other skill sets in your back pocket. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and, um, it might be better. I'm not going to say that. never. Mind. <laughs> uh, there's things that you could do that might benefit you more financially, uh, you know, like learning different trades, you know, other than music skills, you know? Yeah. Um, but for me, I've hated everything else that I've tried to do or been forced to do because of my situation or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just decided to like to leap into things that that I'm passionate about, you know, yeah, and whether it's guitar or mixing or whatever and just try to get good at a few different things. Yeah, so you know, you might be able to fill some holes in your schedule. um, If you're not playing guitar or not playing drums um, with something else that is uh, equally um, fulfilling for yourself. Was gonna, uh, that was going to be my
0: next question, is yeah. if,
1: if running sound
0: is... Yeah, fulfilling. for sure.
1: Um, I like the studio mixing at home, because there's not as much pressure on you. Yeah. You know, but the live... Situ- you know, but I do like live, too. It's really fun to be able to be in control of, like, a big PA. And especially if you're running uh, sound for a band who's really talented, you know, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to mix bands who aren't good.
0: Totally. <laughs> Have you, uh, so far in your... Cause like the, (laughs) you defy the stereotype and there are a a lot of great sound guys in town, but I have worked with some guys that are just straight up pricks and they, they're kind of jaded. You know, you said that drummers are pretty jaded. I would, I would argue that. Oh, sound guys are even more jaded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was going to, I was going to ask if there's anybody that, have you had an experience where someone was just like being difficult? Oh, like a musician to me? Yeah. To you. They're like, uh, you know, complaining about something or
1: they're always complaining, but I don't, it's not like a it's not like a out to get you type thing. It's sure. just the nature of, I have kind of figured out that musicians are inherently whiny. Yes. Um, Cause I've had like one gig I had to do a few months ago. Um, a situation where, you know, I'm part of the setup crew and set up all the PA and get it all going and everything. And then, you know, like a technical issue happens where I had to start the whole scene that I had worked on over Oh. and the band had went to the wrong venue. And so they were late. And so whenever this happened, the band showed up at the exact time that I had to start the whole scene over. Oh, Lord. So we're supposed to be sound checking and uh, everyone's asking where their ears are. Everyone's asking, oh, I can't hear my instrument, you know, all this stuff, and you're trying to figure it all out in real time, you know? Yeah. And that's frustrating whenever there's technical stuff that happens, but it's just, it just happens. You know?
0: Well, in that situation, I think it would require you to communicate calmly sure
1: yeah you cannot you got to let them you have to make the musician feel like everything's okay yeah even if it's not and just don't let them get in their head about anything for sure because it definitely is going to affect their performance and all that kind of stuff yeah man
0: i did a, <laughs> I did a gig one time i'll never forget this um this guy that was running so i was just subbing for this band and this the sound guy was like where's your hi-hat mic I was like, "I'm sorry." He goes, "I can't mix a band without a hi hat mic," like legitimately said that to me. And I mean, I want your opinion on that. It, was that is that guy just totally like retarded? Yes. Or okay, because I was thinking, how is that possible? The hi hat's one of the loudest symbols on the stage.
1: Yeah. I mean, ideally, it'd be cool to have all, everything. Yes, mic'd I agree up. with that. But, but at the same time, if you're most of the rooms that we play are too small for uh, to worry about that. Yeah. Um, especially in the stage is too small too. So yes. Yeah. I mean like that should be kind of secondary. I mean you get so much bleed from the snare drum anyway if you're not getting it.
0: But luckily I think that was like the last like negative sound guy encounter that I've had. Yeah. And that was like four years ago.
1: That's the other thing being being a musician and then moving to the sound guy side of things you kind of learn like hey I shouldn't be a douche to to people. Yeah because you're on you you've been on the other side right, of the glass. Right, you've yeah. been on the stage. Yeah. So um and that's really the one thing you kind of like have to know your place. Like you're at that point you're there to serve the musicians. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if you got to swallow some pride or, you know, hold your tongue or whatever, you should probably should do that if you want to keep working.
0: So what's, uh, I mean, I know that gigs are slowly creeping back in. Yes. Um,
1: finally. are you, are you doing more sound stuff? Are you doing more guitar stuff or what's your, uh, more sound stuff at the moment? Um, so, yeah, Time Machine has actually started to pick up some more privates lately, and That's they're, they're kind of getting back at it. And uh, so it's kind of opened up for me to uh, kind of run sound for them, good. which is nice. And, uh, you know, it might go... Like if Sam, the current guitar player for Time Machine, if, if he can't make it to one of those gigs, I, I usually end up playing guitar for it, and they find somebody else to run sound you cool. know, or whatever. So it's kind of been working out. I'm just trying to be able to fill my schedule with both, um, both aspects. And it, you
0: know that situation just, you know, encourages me to uh, continue to ha- maintain relationships with people. Sure. Because I mean, we could have, I mean, we didn't do anything wrong or anything, but like I hear, I hear that people leave bands on horrible terms and it's like a burning a bridge and stuff like that. And yeah. It's never a good idea.
1: No. Cause so. like we were saying before, the, the circle is so small. If you burn any amount of bridges, I mean, you won't be able to get, it, it, news will travel fast if you're being yes away absolutely, and uh, people don't want to work
0: with difficult people or jerks or anything like no that. No matter how talented you are,
1: yes. And I actually also I'll go ahead and just be honest with this. Like, uh, I think I am an extremely decent player, but extremely decent. Yeah, but um, the main reason why I've been able to hold, I've been able to hold a job in a band. Uh, and everything I think has to do with um, the hang and your personality and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is a little bit of an ego hurt to me. I want people to hire me cause like they think I'm really good and all that kind of stuff. But I think it comes, I think it's more about um, showing up on time most of the time. Yeah. You know, n- not doing no call, no shows, you know, communicating, you know, just being a, a good team player.
0: Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And I th- and another thing you're very reliable
1: Right, you have to be reliable. Yeah, for sure,
0: and that's you know that's what I try to be, and I think that's why people hire me because like I'm not. People know me as the pocket guy. I don't play chops. I don't. I don't play anything crazy. Yeah, but you can. I can. B- yeah, but it's I don't. It's when
1: and where people.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's when and where. Um, but I, I just like when you listen to these pop records or country records or anything. There are no thirty-second note triplet no fills or anything like that. It's all like Pat Boone, Debbie Boone's and stuff. And I have no problem doing that. I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, but all that to say that, like, I think that's why people call me is because they know when they hire me, you're going to get X Sure. and it's going to be a positive experience and I'm going to learn your material and do a good
1: job. That's the other thing. They know they're, they know they're going to get X. So like be consistent.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that that goes for every musician or anybody and yeah, it like doesn't matter what you play, in yeah. and,
1: and every gig. I mean, even though it might be like uh, a gig that doesn't pay very much, or it's you know not your ideal gig, you know, treat it treat it like it might be the last one that you play. Yeah, I saw I saw a pretty
0: unsettling post from one of my friends actually um, on social media the other day. He posted a video of him playing at a gig, and he was saying, "I didn't, I don't know this song. I'm trying to learn it by ear." And he said in the description that the reason I don't know this song is because they they asked me at the last minute the night before to learn it. And he said, if you ever do that, I'm not going to learn your song. No. Like he flat out said that. And he's like, I I value my time. I, you know, and and everything like that. And and I'm not going to take the time to shed something if you send it to me eight hours before we have to play it or something like that, which I get the side of the coin I know. I understand the point. I do. There's a fine line. I do. But at the same time, I don't ever want to have a question mark over my head when I'm playing.
1: Mm -hmm. I I don't like that feeling. Yeah. Uh, And you can hear it too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I see his, his uh, side of things, but at the same time, you're also doing yourself a disservice because whoever is in the audience seeing you, whether it be a musician or somebody who has money, who wants to hire the band, that, you know, like a potential future gig. Yeah, you might be ruining that for yourself because of your pride. Totally. You know? Well,
0: if I were in that situation and, and if that really bothered me, I mean, I have people do that all the time. and I'm like, fine, I'll learn it whatever. No big deal. Yeah. But if it really did bother me, I would learn the song and I would perform it and do my job. And then afterward, I'd, I would go talk to the band leader and be like, listen, I really don't appreciate you sending this like Moments before, right? I normally like to have a a couple days to prepare, if possible. Right. Obviously, you don't have to be a jerk about it. Yeah. Just tell me yeah. But I don't think like just flat out saying I won't learn this song if you send it to me within 24 hours notice or something. Right. I I think that's a little crazy. But
1: yeah, tweets. I mean, if you if you don't have time, you don't have time. Then I get that. Like if your schedule doesn't permit it. But just blatantly not learning something just because you don't, you think. And well, sent it too too late. That's uh-huh.
0: that's why I make charts so that I just listen to the song, I make my notes and I have that information saved for any time I need to play that song and I don't like before I used to try to memorize everything and I yeah. quickly figured out that that is not um, I try to do that. <laughs> well, that and that's good. I mean, I, I really think but, that's great. I and I sh- I probably should do that. But like when I was when I was first getting started and I was learning uh, at the time I was learning two different bands, entire catalogs. Mm. Um, I was, I had nothing else else to do. You know, I was fresh out of college. And so my day job for like literally eight to 12 hours a day, I was like listening to the music, studying it. Um, I even did some physical practice over it too. But if you're freelancing, it's really hard to devote that much time.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Memorizing every band in town's catalog. So yeah, there's no way if you can come up with a system like char- like reading charts and like come up with a system for yourself to where you have the information stored right there uh, stored away on a, in a folder and everything. Yeah. Um. Then you have it forever and you know, you, over time you start to memorize things the more you play it. Oh sure. Yeah, it's nice to just listen to the song two or three times and you have it. Yeah. And then rely on the moment to kind of dictate the vibe. Sure. And the feel. Yeah. You like are listening to how the bass player is playing the guitar player.
1: Yeah. playing. So you ever feel like it's harder to it's like songs the songs that are more difficult to play you don't really need to chart because you spend more time shedding those. But like the songs that are simple, you're like, "How does this go?"
0: Yeah, like <laughs> I couldn't imagine charting Tom Sawyer. Yeah, I mean you got to learn it, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like one of those songs that I mean, I'm not going to write out all those like fills that Neil is it okay? Is it Neil Pert or Peart? I've always said Pert, but okay, I've said Pert, but I've
1: heard people say Peart. Let's look up the pronun- the pronunciation uh, on pronunci- Wikipedia <laughs> oh, <my> <laughs> pronunciation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well, I've I've been listening to that song
1: since I was a kid.
0: Yeah. Um in my mom's car growing up, it was Rush Moving Pictures. That's right. All the time. So good. Uh but yeah, I all have to say I couldn't imagine charting that song. <laughs> but,
1: or uh <laughs> You or, can just buy that chart now. Yeah. I'm sure he uh notated it.
0: Yeah, or somebody took the time mm-hmm. to transcribe it and yeah. you, you can probably find it on there. Spend like five bucks. But Jared, thank you, buddy. Thank you for having I, me. I appreciate I appreciate you. the time. Yeah.
1: So where can we where can we go to find your stuff? Um if you're interested in the uh, recording or mixing stuff, it'll be uh, Um And if you want to check out any of the Fill the Void stuff, there's the uh, com. And also, it's on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, you know, iHeartRadio. Oh, sweet. That's cool. Whatever everything nice so just to clarify so people know how to
0: spell your name jared is j-a-r-r-o-d yes and glasby is g-l-a-s-b-y
1: yes but i really appreciate you having me on
0: yeah man i do thank you for being on the show and you're one of my best friends so i appreciate you too buddy i appreciate it yeah dude until next time all right man all right